You're listening to the GamesIndustry.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor, and this week I am joined by... Matt Handrahan. Brendan Sinclair. Mike Williams. And Rebecca Valentine. We have just finished watching the Xbox Game Showcase. Uh, I'm rather glad that no one told us to get hyped before we started, because I think we're all feeling a bit deflated by it. Um, that's certainly the, chat, the the sense I got from the Slack chat. Um, we're going to delve a little bit deeper into it. We saw a range of first-party titles. It was primarily first-party titles, but there were some some third-party ones that are being you know either published by Xbox Game Studios or are at least you know closely aligned to Xbox through marketing deals or something. Um, uh, guys, what did you think of the of the, of the lineup? Well, perhaps we should start with. Uh, that sense of deflation, if it is there at all in each of us. I, I, I got to say, I, I wasn't deflated by it as much as there was a couple of confusing details. And I think I'm starting to get like showcase fatigue at this point. I've seen a few showcases now. Uh, and not, not, nothing like strongly looks like it belongs on any other console than one I currently have. So, so it's hard to mm. it's hard to attribute it to that. I just don't know that if you swapped this showcase for the one that PlayStation did that I would feel much different than the way I do right now. Like, there was some good stuff, there was stuff I didn't care too much about, and that's kind of the way it goes with stuff like this. I wonder if that's partly the effect of the the fact that E3 has been spread out over three months and 30-plus events. Like you say, like, like I guess E3 week is always always exciting because you're you're almost building off the hype of the previous showcase you've seen. It's like, oh, brilliant, what am I going to see now? But because it's condensed into a week, that excitement lasts, whereas the the, the excitement from the PlayStation reveal, as you say, is kind of you know dissipated in in the last month and a bit uh, to the point where it's like, oh, you know, just one more and then we're done. And that was the that that was tonight's Xbox One. I kind of I do argue the point that like if so say this had been a month ago and then PlayStation's had been tonight, I still feel like PlayStation's lineup was more exciting, felt more varied. It felt like there was more on PlayStation's lineup for everyone than there was here. This still has a lot of... Maybe not as much as the the third-party one we saw back in May, but there's a lot of leanings towards, like, horror and guns and your typical Xbox... I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all, actually. Uh, Yeah, I think that's dead wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd argue with that. Um, I'd say like playstation what they do really well is sell their prestige games the single player big blockbuster story games uh and i i I feel like there were a lot of different like there was everwild tetris effect connect but then you also got a stalker and a fantasy star online whatever that was like it i guess it's like a, a reboot of but then you know you got forza halo infinite uh, tell me why I, I felt there was a, a good mix of different ideas and i think that's partially allowed by game pass which they hammered very strongly over the course of the, okay i'll, I'll, the I'll whole rephrase show. perhaps then because like, you, you're right you're right there was plenty on offer here but i wonder if it's because so much of it felt was already known we knew about halo infinite we knew there would be a, a Forza. Hell, even their one last thing of Fable is the worst kept secret in the industry, or one of the worst kept secrets in the industry. Whereas yeah. PlayStation, it felt like there was more that I didn't know about. Everwild, we got announced like back yeah, in November. Yeah, it looked beautiful. I, li- I like the look Listen of that, back to our episode on PlayStation. We said this about PlayStation. We said there's nothing here that was a surprise. Everything was here we could have predicted true. in some way. Like, or, you know, even like, uh, you know, there, there was some good. Thing is, there was good stuff in both. Like, 
and I don't know that surprise is the way is the best metric to measure these kinds of things by. Like I, I love the look of Psychonauts too. Like everybody knew Psychonauts two was coming. It didn't stop it being like a cool looking game and a game that I'm actually probably more than any other I'm really anticipating playing like that's the one where I mean I am a Game Pass subscriber maybe I would subscribe to Game Pass specifically just to play that it's really really cool I don't I don't know the surprise is the way you measure these things I do think there was plenty of variety I mean I <clears throat> they definitely I kind of wish that the the game we saw more of was Fable and the game they just showed a cinematic teaser trailer for was halo because frankly we don't need more than a cinematic teaser to know what halo is about and we kind of need to see a hell of a lot more about what whatever fable is but as as we were discussing on our slack it seems like that that game is um earlier in development than the kind of two or three years of knowing for sure it's being made would imply like i'm astonished if that i'm really surprised that is all they had to show of fable given that we have been joking about it being an open secret for a couple of years on GI, you know. Yeah, I was I was surprised as well, and I was actually Halo Infinite vaguely surprised because it looked very yeah like Halo One, but open world, and that was I, I I had to go back and look while I was doing it. That was sort of the first pitch when they pitched Halo at Macworld Bungie, like it was a third person shooter sort of an online open world thing so this is like like it feels like 343 is going back like okay you didn't really like halo 5 we'll just do halo 1 again but bigger and it definitely had that that visual feel and See, play but I, kinda, I, I could I'm, I'm trying not to be so negative i promise but like i you say you, you're right like halo you know the picture of it's a first person about open world is, is similar what to the what they did back in like you know 2000 2001 i kind of feel like the the Gameplay demo we saw today, which does look great, I'll be honest. Like it, it does. Like Halo One is the only Halo game I've ever really kind of got on with. It looks great, but it looks like what I expected from the E3 Street teaser back in 2018. Like when they first teased um, Halo Infinite, I think you just saw like uh, Master Chief running across like wide expanses on what was clearly a Halo, and it's like, oh, oh, so it's going to be a Halo set on a Halo again, but it's going to be large open world levels and that's what we got which is it looks like what we want but it wasn't as again it wasn't shocking it It wasn't shocking but i think that what mike was saying is right i think they're very self-consciously going for so if you know i know brendan at least is as old as i am so he, he must must have some fairly clear memories of playing halo halo felt like a big world to explore when it came out like there weren't many games that particularly many shooters that had sort of expansive environments like that. It, it did really feel like, as you were saying, like they were trying to recapture the feeling of like the very start of the very first Halo game. I, I don't know if that's... I, I'm not a Halo fan. I loved the first Halo, loved Halo 2, I loved Halo 3. Definitely fallen off since then. I guess I'm, I can see what they're doing. I just don't know if I'm along for the ride this time. I don't think I want to... You know, just revisit the feeling of playing Halo One, though, though that may end up being what revivifies the the franchise to a degree. I, I, I was saying again, and again in the Slack that I don't really know what you do to actually revitalize Halo, but uh, yeah, Halo Five did seem to be a, a a very significant misstep for it. It does need some sort of shot in the arm to get it going again. But I, I found that I, I think it looks impressive, but it did feel like oh, uh, if 
if the idea of recapturing that sense of playing the original Halo is what I wanted, I'd be delighted. Turns out that's actually probably not, and I wonder how many people feel the same. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looked like uh, fun in the same way that like Halo One was fun uh, way back when, but. I, I think going back to the series roots, like trying to, to make like an intentional play in that direction, I think it works a lot better when you kind of left those roots in the first place. And I don't know if Halo ever really did. I mean, 343, obviously, when they took over the franchise, they had their own sort of approach to it. But it, it still, like everything about the Halo series feels sort of static to me just just stuck in amber and and if you look at like uh breath of the wild is a perfect example of a series going back to its roots and trying to recapture the feeling of the original and doing it like in this really amazing revolutionary successful way but with with halo since you were already just kind of like you know doing the same running around taking out the grunts and trying to shoot in that little circular cutout on the side of their shield you know, for a couple decades, like doing it again is, is just, and, and trying to say that it position it as a return to the franchise is, is just, I don't know. It, it looks fun, but it does not, it does not get me excited at all. And I, and I feel, yeah. I feel that is the same for a lot of the stuff that Microsoft had on offer. I think that Halo was sort of the, it's, it's kind of an interesting choice to open on, right? Because Halo is, Halo is a game that has like you know this ma- this very large you know community of people who really really love it who are really really excited about Halo Infinite, but and I, I think I, I don't know what they could have started on that would have had this effect, but it's very much a it's very much a game in the way they presented it and the way it looks. It's a game that if you're not really into this particular kind of Halo, like like it, it was a really boring segment, right? Like it's if if you're not already into Halo, there's nothing there for you. And I think Brendan's sort of comparison to like Breath of the Wild is an interesting one because. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I do, I love Zelda and I love Breath of the Wild, but I feel like, um, you know, when Nintendo showed that off, that's the kind of trailer where you watch that. And even if you're not like really into Zelda, you're at least kind of like, okay, what are they doing? This is like really interesting what's going on here. And I don't think this trailer was that. And so it kind of had me sort of snoozing for the whole opening. But I honestly don't know that Microsoft really has many or any franchises that if you're not already really into this one thing, you're going to be like you know, or you're not, you're not going to be sort of tuned out for that particular segment. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference for me between the game I thought of a lot while I was watching the Halo thing was, was Resident Evil and how Resident Evil 7, I say Resident Evil 5, 6 were seen as kind of like a, you know, embarking down a path that the series as a whole shouldn't be going down, too action focused. And Resident Evil 7 was a refocusing on its roots, but in that kind of more, by Breath of the Wild, in a more abstract sense, not like as in this literally looks like the first Resident Evil game, but just like this recaptures the feeling of playing it, not like it's set on exactly the same landscape and has the same guns and the same weapons and oh look you're driving in the same car and so on right so there, there's a difference between those two ways of understanding return to your roots like the what Microsoft seems to be trying to do with Halo is kind of like a, a reassuring like mug of cocoa or like a nostalgic hug or whatever rather than actually trying to like understand the, what, what the series is and move it in a different direction while still respecting that and like you say, Rebecca, like, is it, uh, <clears throat> we haven't got like hard figures to understand this by 
do feel like over the last five or six years there's been a, a solid decline in Halo's appeal. Um, I might be wrong on that in terms of the hardcore, but it feels like it's a franchise that just does not have the strength even close to what it used to have. Part of what was surprising about me is sort of as you, you describe it, the, the trailer was meant to uh, be that hot mug of cocoa. But we all pretty much assume that there's going to be like a significant online component, right? Like a, a like a Destiny-style game or something that is underpinning this entire experience, some sort of co-op in addition to the... the and I was surprised that they didn't talk about any of that. Like this, this trailer was specifically for... Hey, remember Halo? We're doing Halo again, like you remember it back in the day. Uh, and and I feel like there's got to be some sort of long tail, significant online experience other than just the traditional Halo multiplayer. Yeah, and Mike, you're actually—I think you're absolutely right. I so while that showcase was going on, I was flipping between you know a couple different chats and a couple different like windows looking at stuff. So I I can't remember exactly where I read this, but. I, I saw somebody or something discussing about how this is, you know, th- th- this is the Halo game that they're going to be updating for a long time. Like, this this is the thing they're going to, it's, you know, I don't know, it's, it's supposed to be like a live game that's supposed to, oh, here it is. Uh, it was a tweet from, oh, no, it's, it's an IGN article. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be the last standalone release for the foreseeable future, new story content. Um, yeah, so it's, it's supposed to be kind of like this ongoing, like, long-term thing that they're going to keep updating that you hopefully will play with other people. Yeah, and it'll be like a for, Forza Horizon or something. Right, like Forza so like Horizon the, is for the racing thing on Game Pass. Yeah, or yeah. The, uh, the Avengers game, whatever, the, the, the one that Crystal Dynamics is working on. Like, same deal. Like, here's a single-player yeah. thing, here's a multiplayer thing, you can do either but we're going to keep updating it and i was surprised they didn't talk about any of that this was purely a hey guys yeah it's weird though because like i think because of game pass and because of the way because of the way microsoft is thinking about these product launches now like i i think it would be a much bigger um and more obvious thing to miss out on right now if they were really trying to sell copies at 60 bucks a time but that's just not what they're doing anymore right like I wonder how that affects their thinking about this. Because you're right, I, it is very strange they chose to focus on what looks like an extremely familiar, uh, but albeit very, very beautiful story mode, when actually what, what people are really, what, what Microsoft will hope people will really engage with will be a mode and modes and components that we didn't get to see for even a single second. So I, I wonder how much pressure Microsoft feels under to kind of get that information out quickly because they're not trying to sell it on day one, right? Like they 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 can they can they can drop in for key information like that a lot lot closer to launch date and still fundamentally track its success in the same way. They're also like they said earlier, like they're going to be doing. I think from March onwards, they're doing like monthly updates about what's coming to Xbox Series X. Um, this is the second showcase they've done since May, and they they I, I swear they said something that basically hinted that there will be another showcase before the console launches. Well, there has to be obviously because they need to announce like release date and price and stuff. So I wonder if they're just kind of saving stuff because obviously like Halo Infinite is the big title. It is their launch day killer app in a traditional sense, even if they're not. Even if you're right, they're not trying to sell it in sixty yeah, or seventy dollar copies. Um, they they are. It is still like kind of the poster child. It's still that that killer app at launch. So they they can space it out a bit over the next few months. So what I'm curious here, kind of touching on this is is do you do you think that this 
showcase was intended to sell people on Series X or intended to sell people on Game Pass? And which one of those <laughs> did it do more successfully? <laughs> yeah. 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 Game Pass. They have this new hardware coming out in the fall, and they, they just... It's an afterthought? Well, no, no, I don't think it's that. I actually think it's that it's such a different way for a console company, fundamentally a console company, to think. That I, I felt like what they want to do is push Game Pass, but the whole showcase is still sort of couched in the language of a new generational transition, one that Microsoft has done its very level best, and maybe we can talk about more about this a little bit later, to distance itself from this idea that, oh, generations don't really matter anymore because like, we'll have this new machine, but everything will be playable on Xbox One, and oh, actually xCloud is coming, so you don't need a console at all. Come September, you can play any game on anything. You don't even need any of these boxes that we've kind of built our entire business on so they're in a really difficult position because they're actually trying to articulate a lot of fairly complex stuff while simultaneously sort of competing i mean chris posted an opinion piece today about how like the console war that we've come to know is over now because microsoft is doing something so different that's not going away anytime soon it's not like it this the way Microsoft is thinking sort of defies all of the previous way that we think about these console transitions, but they're still presenting the games as if it's a big deal that there's a new box you can buy in a few months' time, when actually it probably isn't that big, big a deal anymore. And I, I think the question you asked, Brendan, is, is telling because there were, I did sense that tension there, that you know, you're, you're pushing a service that in September doesn't require any console to use, theoretically at least while simultaneously pushing a piece of hardware that's likely to cost, I mean, quite what, what's it going to be? Six, 600 bucks, 700 bucks, something like that. Like, it's, it's a very weird position, I think, they find themselves in. Not, not entirely of their own making, either. Yeah, and they're trying to sell the Series X, but there's also the, the other open secret, Microsoft is full of them, that there's going to be whatever Lockhart series S or whatever, like a, a cheaper console. So I, I like from a sales standpoint of selling the series X as a console, I don't think they're doing a great job, but from a platform standpoint of here's the series X, here's Lockhart, here's the Xbox one and here's X cloud and game pass. I think it actually kind of works like the, the, the sense of variety and sort of play uh, works out for them. Uh, I don't know if that's going to like move consoles. I, I definitely feel like Sony's all in. This is a hard cut generation is going to sell more PS fives than Microsoft's play is going to sell Series X's. I do think that something we've had an issue with both in this conference and a, I, I think maybe slightly less in Sony's conference is that I really haven't, I still haven't really been fully sold on next gen in general just by either of these hardware folks, right? Like nothing, I mean, we talked about this in the, in the Sony podcast that we did about their PS5 event. That really the only game they showed at theirs was I think Ratchet and Clank that uh, had some kind of element to it that I was like, oh, I don't know that they really could have done this on current gen consoles. And I don't really know that I saw anything today that had that moment of, oh, wow, look at this. This is like something that couldn't have been done before. 
I mean, I assume that games like, like for Forza Motorsport, I know is going to look absolutely incredible on Series X. Like, I have no doubt about that. But like, I, I don't really know. Like at this point, does that things already looked pretty incredible on Xbox One and PS4? Like, what? What? But I don't think really I don't think Microsoft is selling here? next gen. Though Sony's selling next gen, like not not in the same way. Yeah. I don't no, know no, that Sony's they are either. I don't know that anyone Sony is. said to us, in fact, that like it believes in generations and it wants to push hardware and so on and so forth. Microsoft is the one that said, actually, we're going the other way. And what we believe in is everybody, no matter what they've got, can play a game, which means that there'll be versions of a game that look better than others. But fundamentally, it's about like what Mike was talking about earlier, Xbox One, Lockhart, Xbox Series X, Game Pass, xCloud, everything feeding into the center. That's like a complete shot across the bowels of the very concept of a new generation being a defining thing. Whereas Sony's model is roughly the same, which is release a new console, migrate everybody over to a new console, produce really great software that takes advantage of that hardware and sell the console on the basis of that. Which one is a stronger pitch is another matter, but Microsoft's definitely in a position where I feel like it doesn't quite know... Well, it knows what it wants people to do, but it doesn't necessarily quite know how to find the right language to sell it. There, there was one game that, like Ratchet & Clank, was, I, I think, probably the, oh, this couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the medium, which was trying to say that it was rendering two worlds at the same time. I assume that you can switch back and forth, which is was the same sort of play that Ratchet & Clank is making. Like, the new... Uh, storage and memory bandwidth tech allows us to do to ren- render two wholly different worlds and swap back between them instantly. Is that enough to sell people? I don't think so, but that's probably one of the few games at the showcase that I thought, okay, that that is probably only going to be done. But on then, was, was the medium also one for? X, uh, for Xbox One, because I, I I lost track of it, and I apologise, I'm moving us on to a slightly different conversation that we were going to have eventually anyway, but I lost track of the games that were for Xbox One and Xbox Series X, and then the ones that are just for Xbox Series X, and I feel like the medium said it was Xbox One as well, which then says that this doesn't need to be done on no. Xbox Gen. I could be wrong on that. I've got it down as just Xbox Series X and PC. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I could also like, be wrong on that, but 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 the, the the messaging on that was so inconsistent. I lost track of what was and wasn't. Yeah, forward or backward compatible. However, they're they're, they're phrasing that it. was a big problem for me during this because leading into this, they've really made a point about yeah. how the Xbox One, everything that they make for the first couple of years, will also be playable on the Xbox One. So if you don't want to upgrade right now, then you know that's fine. You're not losing anything. But then this this uh, showcase was there were so many games on it that were just series X and PC. Uh, and, and to be announcing games before you've even launched your, your system that are going against your, everything on our system at first will be on both platforms is just, it's, it's kind of like a, a, I feel like it's, it's really confusing messaging for people. Yeah. And it's, it's also kind of interesting how, so I, I was keeping track because we were going, and I I may have missed one or two, but from what I can tell, there are a few games. So that all of the games that had splash screens had Xbox Series X and PC on them, and then there were some that had Xbox One and some that didn't. 
Um, the Of the third-party CEOs that were there, there were several that said they were coming out in 2021 that did not have Xbox One on that. Um, As Dusk Falls was one of them, uh, Stalker 2 was another. Um, all the Xbox Game Studios games that did not have Xbox One on them did not have release dates of any kind. So that was like State of Decay 3, Forza, um, Avowed, Fable, um, games like that. So it's I feel like they're playing with fire a little bit here. Like, we don't... I mean, obviously Fable and Forza... Well, I don't know about Forza, but like Fable is probably pretty far out. Um, I don't know about the others, but I mean, are, when are those dropping? Are are any of those games dropping in 2021? Were they like showing games that are not coming till 2022? Or are we going to have games coming out next year that aren't going to be on Xbox One? Or are they going to be on Xbox One and they're just being coy? Like, I don't know. It's it's weird why they did that. I am surprised by Forza in particular. Like, so last year, I remember that, you know, they, they didn't announce a Forza, um, which last year... Forza has been on a kind of a, an, it's been an annual franchise and it's been on a two year cycle swapping between the motorsport games and the Horizon games for a good long while now. And then last year there was no Forza. And I thought, ah, that's obviously, I think we all thought that. That's obviously because it's a launch title for Project Scarlet as it was then or Xbox Series X. So for them to say, oh, you know, Forza Motorsport is very early in development, it's like, Xbox Series X comes out in a matter of months. How can what was almost certainly going to be a launch, or what we assumed and historically would have been almost certainly a launch title, how is that early in development? So I'm I'm surprised that that is being held off so long. The only the only thought I can have on that is that potentially maybe that's going towards a live service model, kind of like we said about Halo Infinite, and they're still trying to work out how that works. But even so, just yeah, I was PlayStation Five is going. To, when 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 was Grand Gran Turismo coming out for PS5. Was that this Christmas? I don't think it has a date. That like that was the other thing about the PlayStation one. A lot of that stuff, like maybe Miles Morales was the like 2019 game that mm. they went with. The rest of the stuff was either no release date or like. Well, yeah, but I mean, but this is letting. That's the yeah. thing, right? So this is a less of an issue for Sony because Sony didn't make. The promise that Brendan referred to, right? I, I yeah. really, I mean, yeah, I was really thinking about this because I was thinking about this. We had an interview with Phil Spencer a little while ago, not a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I was thinking, like, well, how long is it going to be before the Xbox One stops being a platform that developers make games for? Logically, there will be some games you cannot make play on the Xbox One, which was underpowered when it launched in 2013, right? There, there wasn't quite at the cutting edge of anything even back then. And if you want to Google and stuff, you'll find myriad articles, including Digital Foundry, which will say that. Like, this was never that powerful a console, even on the day that it launched. But this is going to be an issue for people going forward. And Xbox has been very, very, uh, very, very forward about the fact that this is not... Like, so I'll, I'll quote from the, inter- from the interview. It was weird because it, like... Phil Spencer went on a rant about this. Like, sorry, I'm a bit soapboxy with this one. This is to a question where I think Chris put to Phil Spencer, who's like, you know, Jim Ryan, the head of PlayStation, says that he believes in generations. He believes in giving people new stuff. And Phil Spencer responded quite, quite passionately, and, and, and it seemed fairly sincerely about, about this. He says, sorry, I'm a bit soapboxy on this one. Gaming is about entertainment and community and learning new stories and new perspectives. And I find it completely counter to what gaming is all about to say that part of that is to lock people away from being able to experience those games or to force someone to buy my specific device on the day I want them to go and buy it in order to partake in what gaming is about. But it genuinely looks like from this conference that in one year's time, you might have to have an Xbox Series X to play an Xbox first party game. 
That's crazy to me that they can be that, you know, soapboxy to use Phil Spencer's exact word about it one week and then a couple of weeks later to be showing half of the games in their showcase and not even have it available in the way that they claim they believe so vehemently in. Like this is a this is a really, really I mean, I think it goes even a little bit beyond confusing to me. It's a little bit there are times when when you deal with like big companies like this where you where you feel like you're kind of caught between the rhetoric of two companies. Uh, that they're kind of responding to each other as much as they are addressing the consumer. And I feel a little bit like that now. Like Sony's saying one thing, so Microsoft's saying a different thing to position themselves in a certain ways in everybody's eyes. But in reality, what it might end up being is that PS5, you might end up with most all first-party games being playable on PS4, PS5 for the first two years. And the same thing is exactly true of Microsoft. But they're just talking about it completely differently right now. Yeah, and I, I think you have to do that because, like, part of the big selling point for both consoles is sort of this new storage technology and and sort of the instant load and stuff. And if you start making games to really take make use of that, then those are games that are not going to work as well on your older platforms. In fact, I'm still sort of struggling figuring out how some of those games are going to work on PC, which is a problem Sony doesn't have to worry about, but it's something that Microsoft needs to think uh, of on a regular basis. So like if you have a game that is like a Ratchet and Clank that utilizes the storage of those systems to transport you quickly from place to place or world to world or whatever, you can't necessarily pull that off on pc as well because you can't you don't know exactly what hardware you're going to be working with so i I think microsoft is going to be stuck in this limbo where either they don't make use of the system they designed or they do and lock out sort of their you can play it on anything model you know what this sounds weirdly like this sounds weirdly like Valve and the Valve Index. Like they made this really fancy piece of technology and made a big deal about all the different things it can do and all these controllers, but then they also made a big deal about how, well, no, any VR game that comes to Steam is going to be available on all the VR devices. So there's not really an incentive for putting in the effort to take advantage of that kind of technology. Yeah, or if you do, you're locked on one system that most people don't know. But the indication from the showcase is that I I didn't count, but there seems to be almost like half the games are not coming out on Xbox One. We don't, we don't know, we don't know it for sure, right? Well, that's the thing, because because I doubted myself because it's like it it can't possibly be, and I, I forget. I think it was Brendan. You forwarded me a statement when I was really wondering about this from uh, someone within Microsoft, like an internal uh, member of Microsoft's communication staff. And this is like a a statement forwarded for public consumption, so it's fine to say it. But that indicated it would be sort of two or three years before games came out that that didn't, weren't compatible with Xbox One, and that even then it was only an inference. And I took that to mean like it's kind of woolly, right? But uh, does that mean that these games are two to three years away, or does it mean that that's actually not the case? 
Well, Phil Spencer in um, announcing that Game Pass would have a uh, xCloud streaming built into it for free. Um, in addition to saying that uh, you are the hero at the heart of Microsoft's vision uh, and, and other such nonsense, he, he also said that uh, for, he said a couple years in that blog post about it. And uh, the PR person that got back to me about a different thing had said a few years. And so they're, they're being a little <laughs> bit cagey on it. Um, but honestly, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if this is basically like even as soon as holiday 2021. Yeah. Um, so that, it's, that's it's, my if Microsoft opinion. isn't already releasing stuff by then, yeah, clearly leaving it behind. But it's so crazy to me because like, that's just literally just what happens with every console generation. Like the games that come out uh, the first year or so of a console generation come out on both generations. That's the exact same thing that always happens when you transition. Well, not to a the new first console. party ones. Well, normally, normally the platform holder uh, gives you a reason uh, to buy the new system in the first year. I guess so. I guess Microsoft so. has decided to switch it up. Yeah, except like so I was like scanning the list over at Xbox Wire. So you know, this is their official stuff, like Fable. They clearly say Series X, Windows 10, Game Pass. Motorsport, Series X, Windows 10, Game Pass. And they kind of like left off the Xbox One, so like maybe some of these games might be coming, but... So with Game Pass... Yeah, I mean, the argument, yeah. With, with Game Pass, can we just stream them xCloud to the Xbox yeah, One? Yeah. Well, that's probably the, the out, right? Like that you say with xCloud, you can still play these games on Xbox One. It's just that you won't be able to buy them on a disc for Xbox One or, or what have you. Do you think it's possible at all that on some of these later games, they might be sort of waiting and seeing before they actually announce it or commit to anything? Like, do you think it's possible they're waiting to kind of look and see like, okay, what are the first, I don't know, like year or so of sales of the Xbox Series X going to look like before they make a decision on whether they're going to release a version for the Xbox One? Because, like, that, that is a problem, right? Like, if you've got something like Fable, do you, and you, you haven't sold a lot of Xbox Series Xs, do you kind of take the gamble and release it for Xbox Series X and try to sell some more consoles? Or do you decide that it's more worth it to, you know, make a version that works for Xbox One and, you know, try to make sure that you sell some games? I think they would just do, like, it would make sense to me to just commit to both of them early on. And then if, if the Series X is like such a, you know, far and above your expectations hit, then you can just kind of quietly shuffle the other one off to a farm upstate. No one will really complain about it because everyone's so excited about the new thing. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, so, so this is, is real weird. Uh, like I went on the Xbox Twitter and Frozen Motorsport is coming in full 4K to Windows 10 PCs and Xbox Series X with smart delivery. Yeah. Smart delivery automatically yeah, I did, to Xbox yeah. One, right? Well, I did wonder. So why are I, they hiding thing it? I said like, in the Slack is, are we making the wrong <laughs> assumption here? Because we don't see the Xbox One logo. It's not coming to Xbox One. But there were games that had the Xbox One on it and some that didn't. So what are we... It's 
it's not a great look, but then I do wonder because we pay a lot of attention specifically to this aspect of Microsoft's business, which I do believe is an aspect that isn't very well understood by a lot of consumers, right? Like the whole Game Pass, no generations, xCloud is coming. Although it's fairly complicated, to be honest, for consumers used to a certain way of upgrading a console. But it, it it's hard to believe that this level of confusion is something that's been consciously allowed to happen. Yeah, it's just a real weird from like even on the website, Series X, Windows 10, but also smart delivery. And I would think smart delivery automatically means that it, yeah. it's also coming to Xbox One. They're certainly not <laughs> delivering it from any other system to the Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, what's the, what's the what's the it's it's so fuzzy. Like, it needs to either be full cross-generation like they said or they need to be clear i don't know well one of the reasons why i had like i had questions to ask about this whole like what phil spencer was saying like you know we don't believe in fencing people off from games and forcing this by hardware and all that stuff one of the reasons why i had my doubts about that is because as you were saying mike like it's going to be a problem for people like a game like the medium like it's designed specifically to take advantage of hardware and it may be that you literally can't make that game work you you virtually have to develop like you know like when people port um PS4 games Xbox One One X games for the Switch they have to effectively remake the entire game because it's so different that you can't just port it even like you have to basically build it from the ground up again to make it work for this different and very underpowered and and differently architected hardware like that's going to be an issue for it at some point. Uh, the question is, at what point will that be? Do we already have a sense of when that might be, you know, from this showcase? Or is it just Microsoft not quite having its its messaging straight on what is coming out, what isn't coming out, when it's coming out? Is it that they actually just don't really know when many of these games are coming out? So they can't actually know for sure whether the Xbox One will be included or not. Because as you were saying, you know, Rebecca, what if they haven't sold many new consoles? What if it makes no financial sense to, to rule out the Xbox One, even in two years' time? It seems like a very... Um, unusual level of confusion to be having after a solid hour of messaging from one of the platform holders yeah i I definitely agree and it's it's like and if they force having to support xbox one are you holding back your developers uh do does playground when working on fable decide that they really want to use the storage technology for this cool magic spell where you can teleport around the world or something and are you holding them back uh, by saying no? You got to support the Xbox One as well. Uh, it's it's just it's it's kind of a mess. <laughs> Was anybody wowed by anything at all? Everwild looked really cool, and it looked different. And like that, one of the, my big complaints with the show was uh, we saw like new Halo stuff, um, and then State of Decay three and Fable. In particular, those two games are new titles and established franchises, and they gave us a you know a CG trailer in both of them. And I didn't really understand it because I I think of those kind of teasers as setting setting the world, uh, establishing the setting, and setting a tone for a new series. And these look like more State of Decay and more Fable. And I don't know what you're supposed to do with that to get excited about it but everwild 
was really fleshing out the setting that you don't know you you haven't played here before and giving you more of a look into what the what the franchise is going to be and and that was a case where i was like this is a cg trailer that i'm like yes i'm really interested in this and this looks cool as opposed to everything else which was kind of like what i I don't know what to do with this but then i guess we got the the cg beautiful setting the tone and and feel of the game for everwild like back in november um x X, X19, XO19 in London, the, their event they had no, last yeah. November. We kind of got that teaser then. I know what you mean, but like, Fable was the one that surprised me. Like, not In terms of WoWed, yeah, Everworld is the one that, that looked most impressive and looked like most interesting in terms of this is something I don't think I've played before or certainly something that feels different enough to, to everything else here. Fable surprised me in how little we saw of it. Like The only difference is you know, it, looks, it looks a little bit more realistic i say in air quotes than like kind of the the original the early fables were very kind of stylized and almost almost cartoony which suited the the humor this looks like it's trying to be a little bit more kind of not photorealistic as as such but like a a more kind of grounded visual style albeit with you know fairies but then to, to to have such a short teaser and not get any sense of like the size of the world the 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 type of game i know that to an extent we all know what to expect from a fable and i imagine fable fable by playground will be very much like halo infinite in that it will just try and recapture the atmosphere and the the feeling of the original but it would have been good to see that yeah uh i was probably excited for stalker 2 and then uh fantasy star online 2 new genesis which my problem there is i'm just kind of confused as to what it is because it's not Fantasy Star Online 2, because I've played that game, and it, this is like, is a, a, a technology overhaul? Why isn't that just Fantasy Star Online 3? I, I just don't it's, know what it's it is. It's another attempt to, to finally break Microsoft into the Japanese market. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, I, I, I liked... Uh, well, yeah, I liked the look of Stalker 2, because I loved Stalker 1, and uh, there was... There was like a, a sequel of sorts called a Pripyat, which was not so good. But the first Stalker's a great game. What I'm slightly confused about there is that I think that the, uh, a good part of the the talent at GSC Game World left to form 4A games, which made the Metro series and like Exodus was uh, was an exclusive. I actually thought it was going to be a new Exodus, uh, Metro game when I first saw the the, the trailer. Um, and Exodus was a great game, so I'm intrigued to know how much of the the kind of the core creative talent still remains at GSC Game World. But I actually, it's odd because I, I played Psychonauts and Psychonauts 2 has been a known quantity for ages, but I just really, really dug the, uh, the, the, the segment about that. It looked a lot more psychedelic than the previous Psychonauts game. And I'm not, I know that um, Batch and Chris were very pleased to see Jack Black. I'm no great fan of the man myself, but I liked him nonetheless. So maybe that that's testament to something. But 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 that's a game where like you genuinely do not need a new console to play Psychonauts Two. Like you could play that on Xbox One tomorrow. I'm sure it's not not going to be demanding too much from the hardware. But maybe that says I mean, maybe maybe that's kind of what Microsoft wants, right? Like it's uh, it's a good reason to be on Game Pass, but you don't need to worry about which console you have to play it. I'll say that I, I also really liked Everwild. I I love it's it's lo- looks very nice. I love like more stylized stuff like that that doesn't necessarily 
try to be super hyper realistic looking, but still looks really, really nice. Um, and I, I love the idea of a game that's just about being nice to nature. That sounds great to me. Um, I was actually, I was kind of disappointed by both Fable and Hellblade 2. Like, I I sort of assumed from the, the rumor mill grapevine that we would see both of them. Um, but but Fable, like, that was that was like an Elder Scrolls 6 style reveal. <laughs> like, that wasn't anything. Um, and uh, Hellblade 2, we saw nothing of Hellblade 2. We just, they told us it was going to be set in Iceland, which is a piece of basically non-information. Um, I mean, you know, they don't have to show anything if they don't have anything ready, but I was just, I was sort of disappointed because both of those are games that I was very excited for. And I, I sort of watched it and I thought, well, okay, you're making that. That's great. We'll see it in like three years. I liked, uh, what was it? Blonde. It was from oh, the yeah. pre-show. Blonde yeah. Wonderworld. That looked cute. Um, that was, that was very much like Yuji Naka, uh, doing his nights thing again. Um, and that's the kind of thing I was talking about where, like, Game Pass seems to allow them to, like, jump back generations. Like, oh, this idea probably wouldn't make a ton of money. But you can do it because we're already getting the money from Game Pass. Yeah, so and in my, uh, this is a, a, a piece that I've been wanting to write for a while is to kind of really look at the, the way subscription services have influenced customer behavior on in film and music and the way it's kind of influenced the way people choose content effectively and apply it to games as much as possible. But, but like one of the ways that you do see in Netflix and um, well, Netflix specifically is that what drives people to sign up is very, very different from what you'd expect. It's not, it's not big games with huge budgets. Like untitled goose game would probably be like the ultimate game for getting people to sign up to game pass, even though it doesn't cost that much money because it's just a very sticky concept. It's, unbelievably memeable and so on and so forth so i think with game pass and this speaks to some of the variety in the conference that and then maybe the microsoft's idea about not needing an xbox series x that series x yeah xbox series x sorry the the naming scheme is is still still bad there but like you you don't need kind of super triple a games to to kind of build into their concept something like yuji naka's new one something like grounded by obsidian like they're kind of smaller concepts but they look fun and maybe that that is kind of core to what microsoft is trying to do right now I also sort of want to point out, we talked about during the, the Sony conference earlier this year about how clear how clear and wonderful it was that they were putting diverse protagonists on stage um, throughout the whole trailer. Like, I think it took like 40 some minutes before we finally saw like a generic white guy. And it was it was the character in Hitman um, who, you know, is already a, a guy that exists. Um, it... I, I felt kind of interesting about this one because I don't feel that Xbox did not do that. Um, like we had, uh, we had the diverse protagonists, I believe in, like we saw State of Decay 3, um, Everwild had an ensemble. Um, the Gunk. Gra- Grounded had an ensemble. The Gunk did. Uh, Tell Me Why was a great a great thing in there. Hellblade, obviously. Like there, that was there, but I feel like it was less noticeable um, in the showcase simply for the reason that a lot of these games either had ensembles or they had like like a car or like Ori is a glowing white forest creature or like or I guess like outer worlds like where the protagonist you don't you don't see them or you, you, uh, you yeah. customize oh. them but you do, you don't see them in the trailer like like a, a lot of situations where all you're seeing is a pair of hands and so you don't really know what the main character looks like so it was I I don't want to like knock them for oh you just had a show with a bunch of white guys 
But it wasn't like the Sony showcase where they were making a point to be like, look, we are like very specifically trying to highlight our next generation of consoles with a bunch of diverse individuals with specific stories. Well, I think Master Chief is like, it's such old, it's so old school gaming that it's, it's effectively the equivalent of a huge white guy on screen. And then I guess it was a, there was like a bit, there was a beardy man that he was talking to for a while as well, you know. So it was not not the same kind of uh, play out the gate as, as, as Sony for sure. But but I would say that, you know, to, to the point at the start, like I, I feel that there was more diversity of, of multiple different kinds in, in this conference than, than you would expect from an Xbox conference typically. Uh, I think, think the the kind of the questions around it have less actually to do with the content this time and more to do with like when's it coming out, what platforms it going to be on and, and so yeah. on. So. I think if you compared this to like a yeah, uh, E3 2012, 2013 kind of era Microsoft Xbox conference. I, I I think that you would look at this as an incredibly diverse one. I, I mean, it's there, there, there were, there were some not great years on that front. While we're on diversity, um, I saw someone tweeting about it because it, it, I'm kind of with Rebecca. It didn't feel like the diversity. It was there, but it didn't feel as obvious. It didn't feel as prominent. And maybe that's because we were hyper aware of it at the time of the Sony conference, given that it was happening, what, a week after the, the most recent Black Lives Matter movement kicked off. But even, like, if you look at the presentation... I mean, James, for- I'm hyper-aware of it all the time. Well, yes, okay. Yeah, right, like- <laughs> and and so you should be... And I, 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 we should all be more more aware of it. Like, I apologise. <laughs> you know, but, um, you're good. But, but someone pointed out, someone actually on, on my Twitter um, kind of... Uh, tied up what kind of presenters that were there so there were three female presenters one black uh one black person which i assume is the female presenter no asian people of any kind and then six white men excluding tim schaefer and jack black and that does also exclude all the people in the tetris effect connected trailer that was uh, when the, the when that tetris trailer started it's like here here's your diversity of all the people look at all the different people we have it's like yeah but none of these are presenting the games none of these work for xbox like it, it just wasn't it wasn't a bad look it just wasn't as good a look as we had last month yeah yeah i think it's more on the presentation because like if you look across the games you got the state of decay you got as dusk falls which had the the well mm. mixed family um but I, I guess yeah, there are a lot of games that were just like, like Forza Motorsport is. There's no one character. Fable didn't have a character. Avowed, who knows what that? Like it's going to be a character you make. So yeah, maybe there's there's a lot of those games because even State of Decay three had the the black lady in the trailer, but it's State of Decay. So you're just going to make yeah, and it, it's a trailer want. that doesn't speak well. It's a trailer that doesn't speak directly to the experience of playing the game. It's uh, it was it was a fair. I mean, it was a CG trailer, and it was a short one at that. Um, you know, that that's the kind of thing that can be made in a couple of months. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, that I think that's one of the reasons why we're we're wondering when a lot of these games are coming out because, like, like with that, with Fable, these are kind of Microsoft-owned franchises, and they've got so little to actually show of them at this point in time that it really raises questions whether we're even going to see them next year let alone this year, you know. Last kind of point I want to bring up, and it kind of echoes a point we've been making all the way through, is that there feels like there's still questions about the Xbox Series X in terms of what the lineup is, why we should buy one, how much it's going to cost when it's out, and it feels odd to me, and maybe I'm just misremembering previous, you know, 
generation transitions. But it feels odd to me that here we are at the end of July, you know, almost a full two, you know, almost two months after when E3 would have been. And I feel like we still don't know a lot about either Xbox Series X or next-gen consoles in general. It still feels like there's a lot up in the air, and I know all that's going to trickle out between now and, say, November-ish when, when these are likely to launch. But I don't know. I kind of You came out of this feeling... I, I personally came out of this feeling wanting rather than feeling excited. No, it's yeah. the same with both, though, really. Like, I, I, I didn't see anything mm. that made me think yeah, like I, I, PS5 and the other conference either okay i think that's been a feature of this whole thing and in that yeah. sense microsoft strategy of <clears throat> for me game pass x cloud i I'm, I'm in on that and in a way we're kind of the worst group of people to make that estimation because we're all going to buy these consoles anyway because it's part of our job you know we have to <laughs> so wait, wait 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 we have to yeah well, I, I, okay we don't i don't to. i don't, <laughs> we don't have to <laughs> did you not get that email brendan you you guys don't have to. I I do have to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to buy one of them at least. Uh, well, one of them. Not yeah, I, I feel like one. the this has uh, been sort of not just the pandemic slowing things down, but also like both sides trying to hold back to see what the other side is going to do, so that they can sort of like. I feel like the price hasn't been released purely because. Microsoft and Sony want to see where the other person's console lands, like so that they can sort of counter program against that. Yeah. And, and I expect it's because they both kind of need to put the price relatively high as well. And no one wants to be the first one to blink and say, you know, 650 bucks and the other person says 550 or whatever. But based on the architectures, it seems like this is going to be a, a higher priced generation than the last one, at least. Definitely. That is all we've got time for this week. No episode next week because obviously you've had two this week. We did one earlier this uh, this week on um, the Global Step investigation by Rebecca. You can go and listen to that on your podcasting platform of choice along with all previous episodes and you can get your daily dose of news, insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. 